Yo, yo, yo. Welcome back into another edition of Jake's Takes. I am your host, Jake Masucci, and today we got a big episode for you guys. This is one of my longer ones, one of my longer ones in a while, and I'm super excited for this one. Today I got on my guy, Jonah Cerrone. Super excited for this one. We really dive deep into the Big Ten. Um, I haven't really done like a conference deep dive and we kind of did that today. We kind of went through really top tier teams and what we think is going to happen in the big 10 conference and where we think everything's going to land. And, um, you know, we really focused on that to start the podcast though. We did have some college football news, which is part of the reason why this is so long. Jonah was on for about like 40 minutes, but I started the podcast had to talk about the Mel Tucker stuff. So we talked about that for a little bit. And then I talked about Texas, Alabama, because we did kind of stick with the Big Ten in uh, Jonah's portion. So bear with me. It's a long podcast, but um, this is a very good one. One of the best I've done in a while. I've been having some great guests. I mean, a big thank you to Giovanni, Drew, and then Jonah. Um, I'll be back today for Monday. And then um, I'll also be back Wednesday to talk NFL. We had a big NFL week, including the Lions beating the Chiefs. So be ready for that one in the future. But we got Jonah coming up. So I'm going to cue the music. Welcome into the show, and before we get Jonah on, I wanted to kind of discuss a little bit. There was some college football news slash, um, we're more going through the Big Ten, so I want to go through one game, but there was some news that I wanted to get into before the show starts, and that is the Mel Tucker news, and this Mel Tucker news isn't good news. It isn't at all. Um, I have never really been a Mel Tucker guy, I mean, to be real with everybody here on the podcast. If you don't really know my stance on um, Michigan, Michigan State, all that jazz, because I am from Michigan. So, you know, we're talking like you're either a Michigan fan or a Michigan State fan. This is kind of how it works um, when you're in Michigan. You, you talk about it all the time, at least in grade school. That's what it was. That's how we were categorized and stuff like that. And um, I'm going to be real with you ever since um, – I was young. I've always just been a Michigan football fan. It is. It is the truth. And um, going through the rivalry and stuff, I mean, I always thought it was kind of cool. Like, everybody was like, oh, Michigan State's a basketball school. Michigan's football school is kind of how it worked. And then throughout my childhood, it's been kind of flip-flopped for a while because Michigan stunk at football for as long as I could remember until Harbaugh got there and actually made them what they were. And uh, Mark D'Antonio did a really good job with their football program, and Michigan State was actually the football school beating us ever since uh, Michigan State and Michigan were both good for that little one stretch. It was actually kind of cool, and, um, you know, those games were always so great to to watch and all that. And ever since the, um, the punt, yeah, I don't like talking about that punt because that was a really rough moment. And uh, a lot of Michigan State fans really rubbed that in as best as they could. And I've never been a Michigan State football fan since. It's, it's just the truth. I don't like Michigan State football. I don't think I ever will. I'm very much a fan of their basketball. I love Tom Izzo. Um, I think he's a fantastic coach. And um, I root for Michigan State when I can. But I'm not a Michigan State football guy, and I never will be. That's just the truth. So let's actually get into the Mel Tucker situation because it's not good at all. Um, he, so what's going on here is uh, per sources, um, this is just a Woodward uh, Sports Network thing. Uh, Michigan State has fired Mel Tucker. There's, there's two different reports going out. So we're not exactly sure what's official. Because I've seen Mel Tucker's been suspended indefinitely, and he's been fired. So what I kind of come across with this news is that he's suspended because the Pete Thamel news, which Pete Thamel's really the writer to look at when you're looking at college football writers because he's the one that gets the news right. He's kind of like the woge of the college football world. So Pete Thamel, 
That news was that he was suspended indefinitely. So I'm thinking he's actually suspended indefinitely and not fired yet completely. But we'll see what the news, you know, like the news with that can change real quick. I mean, I'm recording this Sunday night. So we could know by the end of the night for sure, oh, he's gone or for sure um, he's suspended indefinitely. And with this, um, there was news that broke last night while I was watching some college football games that um, Mel Tucker is the prime suspect for a sexual um, sexual harassment scandal. And you never want to talk about this. I've talked about this once before on uh, the Jake and Gus podcast when we were talking about the Deshaun Watson stuff. Uh, that stuff's never great. Um, and I don't like talking about this, but I feel like it just should be talked about. It's just, it's just horrible. It's just flat out horrible. You know, um, I mean, I start this as a sports show and I love talking about sports, but stuff like this happens in sports. It's just the truth. We see a lot of, um, either sexual harassment or drugs or things of that nature where there's illegal stuff happening and it just can't be tolerated. And, a lot of these sports programs, they sometimes don't do the right thing. I think in this case, if you fire Tucker, great. If you suspend him, okay. It is what it is. But Michigan State's got to do something. And we'll see exactly what they do. Again, I'm not sure exactly what what they're going to end up doing with this because it's really interesting. But um, with this news coming out, something has to be done. And I I doubt we see, see him on the uh, sideline this season because it's absolutely rough and – I mean, if you're a Michigan State football fan, you got started at 2-0, so um, it's like, yeah, maybe you could have had a season, but again, you're playing Washington next week. It's going to be a rough game. Washington's really good. I'm actually going to that game. I'm excited for that. Um, but, I mean, this is just really tough. It really is tough. Um, Mel Tucker, you guys gave him $100 million, and he got you to the college, he got you close to the college football playoff with Kenneth Walker. I mean, Kenneth Walker was unbelievable, you know? Um, like you guys beat Michigan. You had that year where you were sensational. You gave him a ton of money and then he didn't do anything. Like nothing happened since he hasn't done anything for your program. So if I'm looking at it, Mel Tucker, I've never been a fan. I just haven't. I thought you guys paid him way too soon. Michigan state fans. That is and Michigan state as a, as a group paid him way too soon. And, um, you know, it hasn't been good for them. It really hasn't. They haven't been able to put together some winning seasons and I really think this is going to be tough for Michigan State. Um, it's t- it's a tough look to have your head coach like this. I think this is a perfect perfect way to move on and start fresh with your football program. I really do. Get, get a better guy in there, somebody that can handle himself. Mark D'Antonio did a fantastic job with your football program. He will be missed. I think he was an unbelievable coach. And you got to get someone like that that had control over everything in the football program. I think Tucker, yeah, he brought in a great transfer in Kenneth Walker. And Kenneth, like, it shows you that that Michigan State team was more Kenneth Walker than anything else. It wasn't Mel Tucker's coaching. It wasn't anything like that. That was that was Kenneth, Kenneth Walker being the NFL running back that he's proven himself to be. So I'm looking at it at Michigan State. This is rough. I mean, I do think they should fire Mel Tucker. Like, I think it's time to move on, and I think um, it'd be very good for – uh, the Michigan State pro- program, and just for everybody involved with Michigan State. All right, let's get into some fun stuff. Let's talk about some football. I'm going to be bringing Jonah in. We're going to be talking about Big Ten football, really the majority of the time. So I just wanted to talk about Texas-Alabama before we get get started. And this game was unbelievable. I was so excited to watch this game. Throughout the whole weekend, I was like, this game is going to be so much fun. Texas-Alabama, man, this is going to be a blast. These two teams are so talented. And really, it was put on display. Like, unbelievable game. Texas ended up winning this game um, in tremendous fashion, really. Like, the um, going into this game, a lot of people were like, you know, this was a close game last, last year, but... I just don't know what to expect from Texas going to Tuscaloosa. This is just going to be so difficult. But Texas showed us that they are for real. Their offensive line and defensive line in this game were flat-out dominant. They got some athletes on that line, and they're tremendous. Um, and Quinn Ewers, I just I just got to talk about him for a second. He's just an unbelievable quarterback. In this game, he ended up 24 for 38, 349 yards, and three touchdowns. Unbelievable stat line. I think he really proved 
to the world that he's one of the top-tier college football quarterbacks right now. He is just flat-out sensational. I mean, unbelievable. Some of the deep balls he was throwing were incredible. And a lot of people were ripping his deep ball. He was one of the worst quarterbacks last year in throwing the deep ball. And he's really shown so much improvement in so many ways. When Arch Manning got on campus this year, Peyton Manning's son, he got on campus, people were like, oh, maybe we could see some Arch Manning this year. Yeah, no. Quinn Ewers is unbelievable at the quarterback position. I've always been a big Quinn Ewers guy, and I love what he's doing here. And Texas, like people had some questions. Oh, Bijan Robinson's leaving. How are they gonna? How are they gonna um, adjust? Their that production's gone. He's gonna be like a top tier player in the NFL. How are they gonna adjust? Well, Jonathan Brooks and C.J. Baxter have really done a great job carrying that running back crew. Uh, they were pretty good in this game. Um, Brooks with 14 carries, 57 yards, a touchdown. Baxter with 11 carries, 31 yards. That's solid, especially against a very physical Alabama defense. Alabama's defense is a very good defense, and they looked really good throughout this game. Their corners made a couple of plays where I was just like, oh my gosh, the athleticism on these guys are unbelievable. With Alabama, it's just going to be really interesting because this is the first time they haven't had a top-tier quarterback in a long time. They had Jalen Hurts, they had Tua, they had Bryce Young, and they also had, um, they, they've just had some sensational talent throughout and they don't have the receivers that they normally had, too. Jerry Judy, I mean, uh, Devontae Smith. Like, they've just had some of the guys that have been flat-out sensational. They had Najee Harris a couple of years ago. That was just crazy. Uh, so Jalen Milrow is just not that. He he just isn't. And um, there was a quarterback battle before the year. I talked about it on the preview where it was Milrow or Tyler Buckner. And I was shocked it wasn't Buckner because um, Alabama brought in the Notre Dame old uh, Notre Dame offensive coordinator Tommy Reese and I was like oh he's fo- uh, Tyler Buckner's following Tommy Reese he's probably just going to go with his guy Buckner no they trusted Milrow and that's because Milrow has so much athleticism and he's a very good quarterback but people were comparing him to Jalen Hurts he's not Jalen Hurts he, he can't throw as well and you see it with some of the mistakes he made like there was a couple times where he just didn't see the coverage, and you can't have that when you're a quarterback. It's very difficult to be a top-tier quarterback when sometimes you can just have these brain farts, it really is, I mean, and, like, not see the coverage. It's it's tough, and Milrow's so athletic where he can make these crazy plays. He had 44 yards rushing, which in college, that's actually kind of difficult to do as a quarterback because when you get sacked, you have negative yards tacked onto your rush yards. So 44 yards is actually a pretty solid running game. And he's so athletic. Like, he can create plays. But a lot of these college guys struggle because they hold the ball for a long time trying to make a play. He was one of those guys really holding the ball for a while, trying to make these plays. And, um, you know, it just wasn't happening. I thought his receivers were actually solid in this game. Burden had a solid game on the receiving end. Uh, He ended up with two receptions, 58 yards. Uh, Kobe... Prentice, I think. I don't know if I'm saying that right. He had five receptions, 68 yards. He actually had a solid game, too. I think Bama has a lot of really solid guys that can do some things. Their running back was pretty good. Chase McLennan, he had 12 carries, 45 yards. I thought he was impressive. Alabama has a solid team, and they're going to be very solid in the SEC, but I think Texas is for real. And um, looking at it, my two other college football playoff teams were Clemson and LSU, which is looking absolutely horrible. So I think I would actually put Texas now as one of my spots. Now saying that, they're probably going to lose next week because that's just been my luck so far with picking picking teams. But looking at it, I think this Texas team is really good. They won this game 34-24. to I think they have a top-tier quarterback in Quinn Ewers. And the Big 12 isn't great. It's not great. I really like Texas Tech out of this conference. They haven't looked great. They we're close to Oregon, which we're not going to get to in this podcast. But they actually look solid in that Oregon game. But they're starting out 0-2, so they're not great. TCU is not the same. They lost to Colorado. They did win uh, this week. They didn't play really anyone. It wasn't a great game. I think they won 41-7. to And then looking at some of the other teams, Oklahoma's solid. They had a good win against SMU this week, won 28-11. Dylan Gabriel didn't look great. So I think Oklahoma could give them a little bit of a game. Oklahoma State's not really a team that could give you a great game. Kansas State's the only other team that could probably keep it close. Will Howard looked really good this this week um, in their win against Rice. I think he's a very good quarterback, and Kansas State has a lot coming back there. So 
looking at Texas, they got they got it pretty good coming up, and I'm going to look at their schedule coming up. Wyoming, don't sleep on this Wyoming team. This Wyoming team's good. They beat Texas Tech in double overtime the first game and then kind of handily won their second game as well. So I think they could actually play them okay. And then they go at Baylor. Baylor lost to Utah this week. They're a solid team. If they can figure out their quarterback situation, and it's always tough to play at Baylor. That's an in-state rivalry, so that should be interesting. Kansas the next week, and Kansas is a solid team. That's going to be interesting. Then they got the Red River Red River rivalry with uh, Oklahoma. They have that at home, which is going to be nice for them, and Oklahoma is always going to keep that a close game. And then uh, BYU at home, another good one. You get Kansas State at home. And really, to me, other than at TCU, that's about it on the schedule. I think they win every other game. So if you take care of business, if you're Texas, and then you're able to win that Big 12, like there's no way if this team goes undefeated with a win against Alabama that they're not making the playoff. This team's sensational, and I think everybody should start taking Texas for real. All right, I'm going to bring in Jonah, and we're going to be discussing some Big 10 games from Week 2. Right, welcome back into the podcast, and I got on my guy, Jonah Sarone. He is back in the building. Last time we had him on, we had him on for some March Madness, and this guy, he's my guy when it comes to college sports, so all we talk about really whenever we're together is Big Ten anything, Big Ten anything. So we're going to talk about some Big Ten football today, so Jonah Thank you so much for coming on the show. Hey, it's you know it's good to be back. Last time I was here, we were talking some uh, bracketology, which um, it, it didn't age well for people who listen <laughs> to that podcast. It did not age well. It actually, it was impressively bad if you followed our advice. But uh, yeah, I'm it was great. Podcast. <laughs> yeah, but I I'm mean, hopefully, chip on my shoulder. I'd say that. <laughs> yeah, hopefully, hopefully, our thoughts on this are a little better. Hopefully, it ages yeah, just yeah. a little bit better. Yeah. All right. Well, let's get into it. So um, we had some great games this weekend. And I mean, I talked yeah. about some of the other stuff. I talked about Texas, Alabama, but let's get into some Big Ten action. And I sure. want to talk about Iowa. Again, I talked about it with you on Bracketology. We talked about how big of an yeah. Iowa fan you are. So um, you, you're probably all in on this Iowa football team. So talk to me about what you've seen from Iowa so far this year. And should we take them seriously? For sure. Coming into this year, I thought um, this is the most excited I've ever been for an Iowa team. Um, and they've had some years where they were coming into the season looking like they are going to be pretty good. Um, so far, they've disappointed me. But at the same time, I, I really still like them as a top 25 team. Um, the main thing from last year is their defense took a major step down. Or maybe not major, but it definitely took a step down from that elite level to probably a very good level. Uh, they lost, obviously, as you know, if we got a lot of Lions fans in here. They lost Jack Campbell to the Lions, um, and along with their other linebacker, Seth Benson, to the Broncos. So that's really what's been hurting them is that losing that linebacker unit. And then they also lost their uh, bestie lineman, Noah Shannon, um, to this gambling investigation they have going on. But um, their defense is looking good. Their offense took a huge step forward, but they still can't run the ball. And it's still, I mean, they still can't get 25 points. If you've heard about the 25-point total for yeah. Brian Ferentz. So <laughs> it's, but they've, I think overall as a team, they are better than last year. And we'll get into this a little more later, but they're my favorites in the West still. Yeah. Um. I mean, kind of going on to that point, uh, Iowa starting out the year 2-0. and They got a big win against Iowa State this week yep. and then uh they played utah state first week won that game 24 to 14 and then beating iowa yep. state this week 20 to 13 this is a huge rivalry so huge rivalry win this week um they didn't look the greatest um this i was very weird in the sense like their offense just can't score like you were talking about like that 25 points per game thing it's the weirdest thing that i think i've ever seen like uh it's it's shocking that it's public that the coordinator yeah. like everybody knows that he has to score 25 points and that's just not the Iowa system it isn't so it's shocking yeah. to me it's weird yeah I mean yeah, talk to me it, about that a little so the 25 point thing stems from I don't have the exact numbers on me but there's some crazy stat about when Iowa scores 25 points they're like 40 like eight and two or something crazy 
So <laughs> that's, that's crazy. <laughs> that's where this like stemmed from. Like so, Brian Ferentz, obviously son of the head coach. Um, he was the worst offense coordinator in the country last year, arguably the year before too. Um, they had the worst offense in the country last year. I think the 120th worst the year before that. But he kept his job, and then so sort of is like the thing for fans to maybe chill out a little bit, I guess, was they put in this 25 point clause where he has to score 25 points a game and keep his job. Counting defensive points as well, but um, which is huge for him. But uh, so far, he's been short both games, so yeah, he's, he's got some work to do. Yeah, I mean, like looking at this offense this year, I actually yeah. think, um, I mean, this is way better than having Spencer Petras as your quarterback, oh. having Cade Cade McNamara as your quarterback. He I mean, to the right team, yeah. Exactly. It's like night and day. Like this guy looks so much better. He's so much more poised and confident. But looking at the box score in this one especially, and again, I know these Iowa Iowa State games are always weird. But yeah. I don't think like being a Michigan fan and seeing Cade McNamara, I don't think I've ever seen a stat line where he goes one hundred one twelve for twenty two, one hundred twenty three yards, zero touchdowns, one interception, and they still win the game. Like that's just a little shocking to me. Yeah. You know? Yeah, for sure. I mean, the main thing about Iowa's offense is it's centered off of the run game and then play action. And then right now we have two problems. One, they can't run the ball, which there's <laughs> there's different reasons for that. Some people say it's because they use a zone blocking system, which hasn't been working well in college in recent years. Um, but then also you add on to that. So they can't run the ball well, which already hurts their play action. And then Cade has a uh, – he's got a thigh injury right now where they don't want him rolling out. Okay. So now you see you see Iowa almost coming out of the spread sometimes, which is not their yeah. game. Um, and then when they line up and just run the ball normally, that also isn't working with the fullback and, you know, the Iowa-style running game. So essentially nothing's working. It's just that when a guy is open, Cade can hit him where Peters couldn't last year is – because they're, I mean, you look at their offensive stats from this year compared to last year. Yes, they are still bad this year, but last year at this point in the season, they had, I believe, ten offensive points in two games combined. So, Sheesh! Yeah. Even though they're not hitting their twenty-five point mark, they're it's a huge change on offense, nonetheless. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a lot easier to be way more dynamic when you have that quarterback and Iowa has not had that quarterback. That's kind of been the story with Iowa. It's been the thing they've been missing. So it's huge to have a guy like Cade. And I mean, even though this defense isn't as good as it was last year, they're still making some plays. Like they had a solid game this year. They made it really tough for Iowa state. Again, Iowa state is no juggernaut. I mean, they're not going to be, they're not going right. to be great in the Big 12, um, and this quarterback did not impress me. He ended up the game 23 for 44, 203, one touchdown, one interception. He wasn't great throughout this whole game. So, right. I mean, look at it that way. It's like Iowa, it's impressive. They got the job done. They got the win. But, again, yeah. I'm going to need to see just a little more improvement before I'm saying, okay, this is the clear favorite out of the West. You know what I'm saying? That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. All right, so that can kind of – that can kind of lead us into, I think what a lot of people thought about the Big Ten West when we were going into it was this is going to be a race between Iowa and Wisconsin. I think those I are agree. the two teams that a lot of people kind of just got their eyes on. Were like, okay, yeah. these are the two teams to really look out for. Some people might be going, oh, maybe like a little Minnesota or something crazy. Like Purdue could come back and do this. Yeah, no, I think I think yeah, tier I one would definitely be Wisconsin Iowa. So Wisconsin, they actually lost in week two. They played at Washington right. State in a really good game, thirty-one to twenty-two. Um, this was this was a very interesting game. Uh, Washington State is very good. They just came They're into the team. rankings now. Yeah, like tough team, and um, they've always they beat had, them last year too. 
Yes, yes, that's very yeah. true. They they always have a very dynamic quarterback, and Cameron Ward in this game was fantastic. Went 20 mm-hmm. for 32, 212 yards, two touchdowns, and he ran the ball for 43 yards, which very good game for him. And Washington State's just so dynamic with their passing, and that kind of just lit up Wisconsin's defense. Wisconsin's defense, I really like them. They're physical, they're tough, and uh, they do kind of the same thing on the offensive side of the ball. I really like their running back, Braylon Allen. I think he's one of the best running backs in the Big Ten. He's sensational. And then Tanner Mordecai, he struggled week one. So a lot of people were like, ooh, I don't know if Wisconsin is going to be the team. And this game looked better. 25 for 40, 278, a touchdown. You know, like looked better. So if you're looking at Wisconsin, it's like, okay, you lost a very tough road game at a very good Pac-12 team. That's tough. But I don't know if it if it's like bad enough to where you're like, oh, they're not going to be competing for the West. What do you think it means for their future? I think they're certainly competing for the West. Um, I think Iowa and Wisconsin are, I mean, they're, ba- they're very similar teams. I'd say they're both around probably like 25th in the country. Okay. Um, yeah. I think Wisconsin's a little more balanced, but Iowa has a better defense this year. Uh, Wisconsin, and then the other thing I'd say about Wisconsin is first year coaches almost never do well in the big 10. You yeah. can maybe throw out a Ryan day, but for Ohio state standards, he really didn't have a good first year either. So I think I think that's probably going to hold them back. It's going to be a little more of a building year. They brought in all these new guys from the portal. They're still going to be trying to figure out how to click. I think they're going to lose a game or two early in the Big Ten, and that's really going to end up putting Iowa over them. Um, yeah, I mean, we'll see. They have a solid run game and a solid passing game. and solid, like They're just an all-around solid team where Iowa has a very good defense and a developing offense so that has some potential, I'd say. Yeah, um, and – I mean, it makes sense that you'd be on the Iowa side again. A little bit of bias there, but that's okay. You know, um, I'm actually on the Wisconsin side, but I do see your point. Like looking at their schedule coming up, they got a their first Big Ten game is at Purdue night game. Like that's a right. tough game. It is Purdue's yeah, a tough yeah. environment. I was just at their game against Fresno State. They got a really good student section. It's a tough environment, especially a late game. From what I've heard, unbelievable. Penn State barely snuck out of that game last year in that tough yeah. environment. So um, I think that's a very tough way to open up. Um, some of their other tough games uh, in the Big Ten: home against Iowa. That game is going to be huge. It's so huge. That'll that probably decide the West. Yes, yes, I agree with that statement 100%. Because Iowa and Wisconsin, they're both playing one of the juggernauts in the uh, Big Ten East, which is Penn State or Ohio State or Michigan. I don't think either of them play Michigan, but um, I was playing Penn State. Penn State week week four, I believe, so that'll be right out the gate. Yeah, and then uh, Wisconsin's playing Ohio State week seven at home. So, um, again, both of them will be interesting. but that Iowa game, that's huge, you know, flat out huge. Looking at the yeah. rest of the schedule, though, like, and this is the same with Iowa. Other than those games, it do, it's not, not much. Yeah. It's all winnable. It's all very winnable. So <laughs> it's definitely going to be interesting to see where these two teams land. And yeah. they're just they're so similar, you know. It's kind yeah, of crazy. I think, I think they're both looking at this as like a major opportunity, or maybe their last opportunity with the Big Ten West not being here next year. Like, this is their chance to have, like, the easiest road they're going to have in probably the next decade to the Big Ten Championship. And then the Big Ten Championship, I mean, realistically, you're one game away from playoffs, right? Yeah. So, like, for one of these programs, this is, I mean, this is the best shot they're going to get in the foreseeable future at something that big. So, I think they're both they're both looking at this year as, like, we got to win now type thing. Yeah. No, I agree 100%. So, uh, you're rolling with Iowa and I'm rolling with Wisconsin. I- you know it, yes. Yeah, I mean, I think Kate like, McNamara's experience wins that game. Uh, that's fair. That's fair. I mean, I like that you're picking the experience. Uh, with Wisconsin, man, I just think there's just so many options on this team. Like, I love Tanner Mordecai. I think he's a great quarterback. Um, he's just calm, composed. Um, mm-hmm. Can really, can really do his thing. And if Wisconsin gets their running game going. So tough yeah. to stop. It really is. Like they got yeah. two running backs that are sensational. Like, look, yeah. looking at the Buffalo game, and this is why I got so excited about Wisconsin. Like immediately, I'm gonna just 
say the running back stats, both of them, and you're going to be like, oh my gosh. But Braylon <laughs> Allen had 17 carries, 141 yards, two touchdowns. And then their other running back, Chez, I'm not going to say his name right, but it's Chez Moulisay, I think. But he had 13 carries, 157 yards, two touchdowns. So that's 300 yards between the two. Like, Put these guys... I think that's more than Iowa's head running the ball both games combined. Exactly. Like, these guys can run the football. And uh, what Washington State did to them was they took Braylon Allen out of the game, who's one of the most, like, valuable pieces in in the Big Ten, I think, arguably. Because I think he's one of the best running backs there, other than a Blake Corum or a Nicholas Singleton or Catron Allen. I think those guys are otherworldly. But Braylon Allen's right there. He's close. You know, he's knocking on that door. So looking at it that way, it's like, okay, now we see this is a way to be able to get under Wisconsin's skin and stopping the run. I just don't know if there's any team in the Big Ten West that could do that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I I disagree. I think um, it always gets better as the season goes on. That's just – that's how they've always been. Um, So I think their defense is going to be clicking at a level. It all has been good so far. It's going to be clicking at a whole other level by the end of the season when that matchup's coming around. And then I think Cade Cade McNamara, uh, Big Ten champion, he's been in the playoffs. I think he goes in there. He throws two touchdowns, gets a field goal. He went seventeen fourteen. Be my guess. Yep, yep. The Iowa style win. That would exactly. that would be crazy. Yeah. It's gonna be a crazy game. I'm very excited. Right. Um, that's gonna be a fun game, and we'll definitely be texting each other throughout that game. <laughs> so, um, let's get to some of the other Big Ten West uh games. Um, well, some of the other Big Ten games, kind of to talk about. One of the teams that was kind of knocking on the door in the Big Ten West but won't be this year was Illinois. They right. lost their game on Friday night to Kansas and it didn't look great doing it. Um, I talked about it last week that I was a little nervous about them. They won on a game-winning field goal to Toledo the week before and then going to Kansas and they lost and Kansas starting quarterback didn't even play in this game. So it's yeah. a little bit rough. Um Looking at it that way, or actually he did play. He was back this game. Okay, that's a okay. little better. That may, that makes me feel a little better. But, um, I mean, still losing this game, it's a little rough because Kansas is going to be a middle-of-the-road team in the Big 12. So, looking at it that way, it's like, eh, I just don't think Illinois is going to be that team that they were last year knocking on the door. So, I have them going down a level a little bit. Um, I agree. They don't, yeah. they don't have the defense they had last year, along with losing exactly. their coordinator. That's, yeah, I mean, Ryan that's Walters going to uh, right. yeah, Ryan Walters going to Purdue. So I mean, you know, tough loss, and yeah, I just don't see them being that team. Uh, that leads into another team that's kind of knocking on the door, but I don't think it's there yet, and that's Minnesota. Minnesota uh, won their game against Eastern Michigan, twenty-five to six. I think you'd expect them to win a little bit more, but um, by more yeah. points. But, again, I talked about it last week a little bit um, on both podcasts, on the Purdue podcast and the um, and the week one reactions. But um, Minnesota's going from a running style to a passing style. They're switching their okay. offense completely this year with P.J. Fleck. So uh, that transition can be tough to start. And they actually kind of, like – change completely back to a run style. So I think they're still trying to figure out what their offense is because they threw the ball 45 times against Nebraska last week. And then they Mm -hmm. were like, wait, we're going to throw it 15 times against Eastern. And they ran it with Darius Taylor 33 times for, and he went for 193 yards. So it's like, I don't think they know what their offense is. Exactly. They had uh, Mo Ibrahim, who was fantastic last year. Um, one of the best running backs in the Big Ten. So I don't know if they know what they're going to be yet, and it's tough to predict those kind of teams. So that's why I have Minnesota winning a lot of games, but I do think teams like Iowa and Wisconsin can handle them. Do you agree with that? I'd agree. I'd agree. Yeah. I mean, I think – I think definitely Minnesota is one of those teams, and I think P.J. Flex is a really good coach. I just don't know if they're going to be taking that next step. And then um, I do want to talk about Nebraska because you are a Nebraska guy, and uh, Minnesota played them in a very close game week one. But Nebraska kind of – it was kind of rough this week. Colorado kind of took them and um, threw, them de- threw them down the curb pretty much. 
I mean, it was it was rough. Uh, so talk to me a little bit about what you've seen from Nebraska so far this yeah. year. I mean, for the most part, it's been more of the same. You come out week one, you see the one possession loss. No one's been better at it in the country the past four years now than Nebraska. So another one possession loss there. Then you go to Colorado. I actually think their defense looked really impressive in the first half. I agree. If you watched that game, it was, I think, I mean, they almost shot. I think at the first half, Colorado was shocked. Like, it was almost mm-hmm. sort of like a welcome to the Big Ten thing. And then the wheels just fell off second half. Um, they don't have a, they don't have a set quarterback really. They don't have, they don't have a good option there. Uh, their offense is just, I mean, it's looking bad. And then it's not like a Iowa where you have an elite defense. Their defense is, you know, up and down. So I don't, I don't see them making a bowl game this year. I think it's going to be another rebuilding year, if you want to call it that for them. Um, maybe four wins. We'll see. I like Matt Rule as a coach, but it's going to take a couple of years there. Yeah, I mean, talking about Matt Rule a little bit, um, was the Panthers coach last year, and um, he, in college, is known for rebuilding. He's very good at rebuilding uh, teams, but the first year is always a process. It just is. When he was at Temple, they won one game their first year, mm-hmm. and then the next game, next year, they win nine games. The next year, they win 11 games. That's how it worked at Temple. Then he went over to Baylor. They won one game their first year. Next year, nine wins. The other one? 11, 11 wins. That's how it is. It's it's his process. That's how it goes. So um, if you're a Nebraska fan, you just got to be patient. It's the truth. And uh, again, Scott Frost, a lot of people liked the hire when it came in. And he didn't, he didn't come through. And again, with Nebraska, you're going to see a lot of close losses. That Minnesota loss was just really yeah. tough because uh, awesome. Minnesota – Exactly. I mean, Minnesota, again, like we were talking about, is still trying to figure out their offensive identity, so you could have won that game. Um, and Jeff Sims is a quarterback. He's just not very good. He really isn't. He can and, run the ball, but his passing, I mean, I think he had like four turnovers against Colorado. Yeah. And that's, I mean, it was. I think after like the third, that's really when their defense sort of just fell apart. Like they were yeah. sort of in the offense that first half. And then it just all went downhill second half. End of first half to second half. Yeah, and I mean, like, talking about the defense, the defense has been really good, like you were saying. Against Minnesota, mm-hmm. really good. Only 13 points right. allowed. And then against Colorado in the first half, you're only allowed 13 points as well. And, yeah. um, and the only reason why you allow that – Right. Exactly. The only reason why you allow that is because Sims turns it over and you have a short field. You know, there's nothing yeah. you can really do there. And then yeah. the second half, like you said, it kind of – the wheels fell off. If you're a Nebraska fan, you shouldn't be too mad with what this season has in store because it's not going to be good for you. But, like, you should be excited for the future because I think Matt Rule is going to bring in people and it's going to be solid. I am excited for what Nebraska is going to become, but it's not there yet, you know. Um, okay. Yeah, I think it – I think they'll be interesting, and I think they'll give teams some scares, but it's nothing. It's not going to be anything crazy. I like your four wins. I think I'd be a little more confident in, say, five wins, but um, I don't see them being in a bowl game. I agree with you there. Yeah. Um, so, Big Ten West, again, that's kind of talking about the Big Ten West. Those are the those were the main games. Uh, I could talk about Purdue, Virginia Tech, but I talked a lot about Purdue, and – of course, my prediction was right. Drew thought they'd lose to Virginia Tech, and of course, they won. So um, Hudson Card looked really good. They're going to be interesting. Again, I put them on the Minnesota tier, kind of. Um, I think they'll be around there. I think they're a little better than Minnesota. I kind of regret picking Minnesota when they play each other but because I really like Hudson Card. I think he's a very good quarterback, and they got a solid defense. They started clicking and putting some pieces together, but Virginia Tech's also really bad. They're not good. Right, um, right. So, and that was a really weird game because I don't know if you know this, but um, the game started at twelve, and then it was delayed because of thunderstorms, and the game actually concluded at eight o'clock. That's when it finished. Oh wow! Yeah, wow. crazy, crazy, uh, crazy storms on uh, the East Coast around North Carolina and. Uh, the Virginia Tech area. So, I mean, that was just a weird game. I think Purdue could have won by more points if the game just, like, happened because they, right. they came out and were up 10 nothing immediately. So, like, they were ready to play that game, and it was a good win for them. 
But, you know, again, I kind of have the middle of the row, maybe like lurking near the top, but not there. Do you kind of agree with that? I'd agree with that, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So we're going to take a little break, and then we'll get to the Big Ten East and give you guys who we think is going to make it out of the Big Ten. Hello, hello. This is Giovanni Mosheri. You might have heard me a couple times on Jake's Takes. I am the sports media director of Oakland University's campus radio station, WXOU, and I've been the host for about two years of a weekly sports show called The Jomo Show, where we cover all of Oakland University athletics, including a weekly update on scores and highlights, as well as interviews with athletes or those otherwise involved in athletics. You can listen to The Jomo Show live on WXOU Thursdays at 6, or you can tune in to me afterwards on Spotify. It's The Jomo Show. All right, welcome back into the show, and we're going to get into some Big Ten East talk, and we're going to talk, let's start with Michigan. We got to talk about my Wolverines. Um, I haven't really gone too far in depth on them in the podcast too much. I talked about the Jim Harbaugh suspension stuff, but I don't want to talk about that anymore. Let's get into some football business. I want to talk about that. So Michigan's starting out 2-0. And uh, they got a big win against UNLV this week, uh, 35-7 to in this game. And I'm going to tell you this, J.J. McCarthy looked really, really good in this game. It was unbelievable. He started out the game 13-for-13 passing and was just incredible. Like, this guy was not making any mistakes. It was unbelievable to watch. He ended the game 22-for-25 uh, passing, 278 yards, two touchdowns, and he sat the whole the whole second half, pretty much. I mean, like, he was unbelievable to start this game. Roman Wilson added in two two receiving touchdowns. He had four receptions, 89 yards, was great in this game. Cornelius Johnson also helped on the receiving end, five receptions, 82 yards. And kind of the main story of this game, just so everybody knows, is that Blake Coram's back. He looked really good in this game. He had 15 carries for 80 yards. He had three rushing touchdowns. And... I mean, a lot of people were like, eh, we're not sure how Blake Coram's going to come back, but he really showed up in this game and looked really good. Um, I'm very happy to see it for Blake Coram. I mean, this guy was unbelievable last year, and it was tough to see him get, in, uh, get injured before the Ohio State game, not be able to play. And, you know, this guy's an unbelievable dude, so I'm really happy for him. Uh, Jonah, talk to me a little bit about where you see Michigan going into the rest of the year, pretty much. I love this team. Um, I liked them to beat Ohio State last year. wasn't surprised when it happened. And then you look at, they're bringing back the majority of that team. I mean, it's mm-hmm. unfair the amount of guys they're bringing back. And then you add on to that, they had one of the top O-lines in the country last year. They said that wasn't good enough. They hit the portal and brought in more guys. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, they're, they'll have, I mean, probably the best O-line in the country this year. Uh, JJ's going to be in the Heisman race. It's going to hurt him that he's not playing the second half of these early games when you got guys like Sanders putting up 500 yards week one. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> but he'll, he'll be there for the Heisman if Michigan wins the Big Ten for sure. Um, their defense is, I think, even better than last year. I think last year is a little overrated, I'm not going to lie. But they're bringing back mm-hmm. the majority of guys. Um, I love this team. I I have. We'll get into the one game I think they might lose later, but I think they take care of Ohio State again. Um, I think it's championship or bust this year for Michigan. Yeah, Corum, I mean, Corum's as good as it gets. The yeah. fact he came back is unbelievable. Like, yeah, that should yep. that should happen. Um, yeah, I'm in. Yeah. Like looking at this team, they're they're so deep. Like, so deep. I think this is one of the deepest teams we've seen in the Big Ten in a while. It, it kind of leads into, like, they're like one of those Ohio State teams that are just so well put together. And, you know, it's it's really awesome to see. I mean, like, I've been a Michigan fan for so long, and this is clearly the best team that Michigan's had since I've been a Michigan fan. And it's unbelievable to say. Like, I am... I'm not taking these years for granted because it was horrible being a Michigan fan for a while. It just was because there's so much expectation. And then we were just sick of winning 10 games, which made no sense to me because I was happy winning 10 games because I was, I was used to these six win seasons and I was done with it. So I'm happy with this. 
you know, this Michigan team is really good. And I'm excited to see what it leads to. Um, look at this schedule again. It's not a great schedule. That's what everybody says when you see the schedule. They got Bowling Green next week, and then they start that Big Ten schedule. Some of the road games, just so you kind of get a look at it, you got at Minnesota, which could be interesting. Again, P.J. Fleck, you got that. You got, um, you know, that Michigan kind of rivalry thing because P.J. Fleck was at Western Michigan. Um, You know, that could be interesting there. And then you got at Michigan State, again, that's just a rivalry game, so Michigan State's always going to make that a tough game. Um, and then at Penn State is the one that everybody is scared of and is going to be an unbelievable game. So those are your tough road games, and then you got Ohio State as the last game of the season at home. So again, like the the schedule does pick up, and it will end up being better. But the, with the way this Michigan team is looking right now and the way J.J. has been playing, I think J.J. has really taken a step up and has been improved, and they're starting to use him in the passing game more, which is, I think, what we needed. I'm very excited to see what this Michigan team can be, and it's going to be very interesting in the future. Uh, Jonah, you want to move on to the other teams? Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. I, think, I also think this Michigan team, I think they're too good to be upset by a Big Ten team. Like, I wanted mm-hmm. to see um, – I was hoping at the start of the year it would be possible. I don't see an Iowa team upsetting them. Um, I don't yeah. think Michigan State can do it with everything they got going on. They just don't. You still need a good team to upset a team like Michigan. Um, so, I mean, Michigan just has to take care, of, take care of business against Penn State and Ohio State, really. Yeah. I mean, those are the two big games. And, uh, cool. you know, like, we'll get into – let's just get into these teams to kind of start now. We'll, let's start with Ohio State. Because uh, I think they're the one with the most questions right now. Um, they had a solid win this week. Um, they beat Youngstown State 35-7, to which kind of funny that they're playing Youngstown State because Youngstown State is in the uh, Horizon League in college basketball. So uh, they're one of Oakland's rivals. So kind of cool yeah. to see them on the football field, which is kind of interesting. But the fact that it was 35-7 to against a team that plays in the Horizon League for basketball <laughs> – not great. Not great. I'm just it, saying. Um, State also drove down the field on them once. Exactly. Exactly. It was, it was yeah. just like, I expected Ohio State to win this game 77-0. I just did. Yeah. You know? Like, uh, that's what Ohio State normally does with these teams. And, like, looking at the stats, it looks like they played a great game. Kyle McCord, 14 for 20, 258 yards, three touchdowns. Devin Brown came in for some snaps. He went 7 for 13, 101 yards. That's solid for him coming in and just playing a little bit. And then Travion Henderson, five carries, 56 yards, two touchdowns. That's great. Marvin Harrison was unbelievable. Seven receptions, 160 yards, two touchdowns. Great game there. And then Mecca Abuko was really good too. Um, Just looking at this Ohio State team, I just listed so many names. And again, the quarterbacks, they've been the question. But the receivers and the running backs that I said, They've been there a long time, and we know what they can do. They're fantastic. They're really good players. So it's kind of shocking to me that Ohio State has all these weapons, and we have so many questions on them, and it kind of it's kind of because of the quarterbacks. Uh, McCord hasn't been good this year. He just hasn't. He didn't look great in their week one game against uh, Indiana. They only won 23-3 to in that game. Um you know, not great there. And then Devin Brown just doesn't look good when he has the ball. He doesn't look comfortable. He's more of a running quarterback. And I don't like that he's number three. If you're a quarterback, or not not number three, he's number 33. If you're a quarterback, do not wear number 33. I'm sorry. I just hate seeing that. It's not good. Um, But, like, getting back to Devin Brown, I just, I just don't like – I just don't think he's comfortable. I really don't. Um, He's not making good reads. And – uh. He's running and doing some stuff. He only had six carries for nine yards in this game. Like, it's like, okay, you're supposed to be a runner, but you're not even doing that aspect, and you played half the game. So it's like, you know, with Ohio State, it's a lot of questions, and I just think they should be looking way better than they have so far. What do you think, Jonah? I agree. I mean, this isn't the Ohio State team of um, that they usually have. They usually have elite quarterbacks, elite receivers, elite offense. This year they only really have elite receivers. And that doesn't that's not gonna play if your quarterbacks aren't there. Uh Kyle McCord, he's just it looks like he's winning the starting job, but he's not he's not gonna get the job done. The thing about Ohio State is their defense is I mean, it's they usually have a mid defense, right? Like 
20 to 40th in the nation, honestly. But it's always compensated by their elite-level offense. But since it doesn't look like they have that offense this year, they're going to be good. They're going to be top 25, probably top 15. But I don't, there's, I don't see them having much of a chance against Michigan or even I think Penn State could pull out a significant victory there too, maybe 10 to 14 points, honestly. So, yeah, I'm, yeah. Not, I'm not a fan of this Ohio State team this year. Yeah, I, I mean, and yeah, like looking at this schedule, it's it's a tough schedule. This is easily the yeah. toughest schedule. They play at Notre Dame in two weeks. Yeah. That's going to be such a tough game. Sam Hartman's looking unbelievable. And, um, I mean, I talked about Notre Dame on a past podcast. They've, they're really tough, really tough. And um, I think, like, I wish they were fully in the ACC because now that Clemson's, like, not the for real team in the ACC, they play Clemson, which is cool, but they don't play Florida State, which sucks. Um, and Notre Dame's playing Ohio State. Like, it's just going to be such a tough game to go into Notre Dame and win that game. It's going to be so tough to do that, you know? Um, so I just don't know if Ohio State can win that game. And then you also play home against Penn State, who's dying for revenge after a crazy close game last year. And then you play at Michigan. And Michigan, if they win every game before that, there's no way they're losing that game. It's just the truth, especially if Ohio State's like not amped and ready to play that game. It'd be tough. And if Day loses, I think you're right. If Day loses two of these games, he could be done because Ohio State's that yeah. demanding of their coaches. And Day, I think, is a, fan- is a fantastic coach. But it doesn't seem – it seems like he skipped a year with the quarterbacks, and it's the first time we're saying it with Ohio State. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, it sucks. Yeah, I mean, you remember the year they went three quarterbacks deep and won the championship. It's not yep. it's not that type of year for them this year. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just not the same Ohio State we're used to. And they also play at Wisconsin, too. This is, I think, yeah. clearly the um, hardest Big Ten schedule. Because, like, these are some tough I'm, – I I'm keep looking at the schedule. They play at Purdue as well in a, in a light game. It's like, dude, like, this just keeps getting harder and harder. So, um <laughs> It's it's the worst year for this kind of schedule, um, right. and uh, they just got to figure it out. They got to figure it out, and I'm hoping they will, uh, especially for that Michigan game near the end of the season. But you know, it, it's definitely going to be interesting, and this team definitely has the most questions for sure. Um, all right, let's move into Penn State a little bit. Uh, Penn State had a big win against Delaware. I didn't watch most of this game, but they won sixty three to seven against Delaware. And, like, Drew Allard's unbelievable. This guy's got so much control in the pocket. I talked about it a lot on my week one reaction show when uh, they beat they beat West Virginia last week. And they, they looked great doing it. Uh, Katron Allen was unbelievable in this game. 19 carries, 103 yards, and a touchdown. Nicholas Singleton had three touchdowns, 47 yards rushing. He looked great. Um, question, the questions for Penn State on the offensive end is probably the receiving. Like, will there be a receiver that steps up for Drew Aller? And um, in the early stages, we're seeing like guys like Tyler Warren really step up. And a lot of people like Dante Cephas this year. They're hoping he can step up. Um, so that that's going to be interesting. And I, I think I'm always going to be really watching that. Cause I think that's really your only question on Penn state. Cause their old line has been looking pretty solid. Again, West Virginia is no juggernaut or anything like that. So I guess we'll see there, but um, I want to talk about this defense. Cause this defense is unbelievable. They got a great D line. Their secondary is unreal. I think Michigan and Penn state's defenses are two of the best in the country. They're flat out unbelievable. And I think it's neck and neck for who you think is a better defense. These guys are just unbelievable athletes. And um, I'm just really excited for this Penn State team. I think they're unbelievable. What do you think? I love this Penn State team. Um, I mean, their defense is incredible. Their secondary, I just saw a list with them ranked at sixth. I think they could be higher. That same list had Michigan at two, Iowa at five. I think Penn State could be as high as three secondary-wise. Your yeah. D-line is incredible. I mean, you're taking an elite-level defense combined with a great offense, and then just – I mean, they're just a hungry team. They've mm-hmm. been in the hunt for the East for on and off the last five years, especially last year. I mean, 
they're knocking on the door, and this this team has what it takes to get it done. It's just can they do it? Yeah, no, I mean, I agree with that. Uh, looking at their schedule, it's not as tough as Ohio State, but um, next week they're going to Illinois. Again, uh, I talked about Illinois. It just doesn't look great. Um, I, I think Penn State kind of handles their business there easily. And then you got home against Iowa the next week. Again, big matchup there. Um, yeah. do, do you think the Hawkeyes have any chance? I can't remember what you said earlier. For sure. I mean, I think you look at their last five games about against Penn State. I don't have the stats, but I'm just thinking, I'm guessing it's been at least three, probably four wins against Penn State. They've okay. really had the okay. way against Penn State. Um, it's always a defensive battle. One possession win. Um, it, yeah, I mean, Penn State can't sleep on that game. They yeah. can't. I yeah. think they'll and, take care of business at Happy Valley. But um, that'll be that'll be a true test for both teams. We'll leave that game knowing exactly who Iowa is and exactly who Penn State is. Yeah, I mean, like, Iowa's just got to play it in their style of football. And then they'll, they, like, definitely could be in that game and maybe even get it done. Like if Kate mm-hmm. takes care of the ball and they play their style of defense, that could be interesting for sure. For um, sure. Looking at the rest of the schedule, uh, you got Northwestern, which is dub. Then you got Massachusetts, which is a dub. And then you got at Ohio state. And that one, again, very interesting. We just talked about how there's a lot of questions with Ohio state. Um, the thing is with this Penn State team is, is they were that close to beating Ohio State last year. Like, so close. It was a fantastic game. And that's an Ohio State team with C.J. Stroud, you know? Yeah. Um, like, I, like, this team is just unbelievable. They're very deep, and I think this is just a way better team. I think Drew Aller, I love how much control he has in the line of scrimmage. When you had Sean Clifford, I liked Sean Clifford, but I didn't trust him completely. And now when you have a guy like... um Drew Aller, I I have a lot of trust in him. I think he's just so calm in the pocket and so composed. And this is after one full game of me watching him play football. And I was like, oh, I trust this guy. And that's unbelievable to say with such a young quarterback because he'll be back next year and he'll probably be better, you know? Um, And when you have that kind of trust level, and I think the team has that kind of trust level in a guy like Drew Aller, it's just scary. And you don't see that at Ohio State. And that's why it's like, okay, I'm giving the edge to Penn State because I already like Penn State's defense better than I like Ohio State's defense. We didn't get into Ohio State's defense too much, but I don't love their secondary. And um, if you're looking at the lines, the Ohio State's D-line is good, but it's no Penn State's. And their offensive line hasn't looked good at all, Ohio State's. So you're going against the defensive line like Penn State, that's going to be a little rough, you know? Um so looking at that matchup, I would like Penn State in that matchup. What, what do you think if you're looking at that matchup? I 100% agree. I mean, it was it was a great game last year, super close. And then you have an Ohio State team. I think anyone who's seen them play would agree they've significantly fell off. And then you got a Penn State team where we don't know exactly how much better they are yet, but I think everyone agrees they're better. So I think Penn State wins that game handily. Yeah. 10 points, uh, maybe. Oh, wow. You like that. 10 points. Um, yeah, I, I just got to see like a little. Man, I like <laughs> I just got to see a little more of both teams before Let's I go see, with yeah, these yeah, points, yeah. you know. Um, like, I yeah, didn't really want to. better after uh, Penn State versus Iowa. That will really show yeah. you. Right. Yeah, I, I like that take. I really think that's going to be a great game, and we'll see. So looking at the rest of Penn State's schedule, you got um, home against Indiana, a win. At Maryland, win. And yeah. then um, Michigan. And Michigan's the big one. You know, uh, if you take care of Ohio State, if you take care of Iowa, then you got Michigan. And that's going to be pretty much the game for the Big Ten East, I think right. we both think. And, again, you got a great advantage playing that at home. Um, and I actually see it's not going to be a night game. This is going to be a 12 o'clock game. They've, mm-hmm. they've set the time for this game. Uh, this will be a 12 o'clock game. So that's very interesting. I think that helps out Michigan a little bit. So it's not like a whiteout game, but, um, you know, Penn state fans are still going to be ridiculous for this game. Yeah. And, uh, it's going to be fun. I think these two teams are pretty evenly matched and, It'll be a quarterback duel with I think the two best quarterbacks in the Big Ten. What do you think? This is gonna be this could be one of the best football games of the year. I mean it's I'm gonna open. be absolutely electric. But my take is, you know, it's week eleven. 
November 11th, Happy Valley. You know I'm big on Penn State. I think I think all around this Michigan team is better, but I think in Happy Valley, Penn State pulls it off. Wow. I mean, they've been knocking at the door for so long. I think they shock everyone, win a super close game, and then go on to win the Big Ten. Woo. I like that. Yeah. I like that take. I like that take a lot. Um, yeah, I don't know if Penn State's beat Michigan. I don't. I think <laughs> I'm. I'm gonna fair. roll with. I'm gonna roll with Michigan. Uh, it might be the homer in me talking, but I don't care. I also think this Michigan team is a little better. They're, um, they're so good. Michigan's they're so good. Michigan's offense is just unbelievable. I would take Michigan's O line over any O line in the country. Um, I also think JJ's taking that step up where it's just gonna be difficult to uh, stop him. I think he's a little bit better than Drew Aller. I trust him just a little bit more. And um, I trust Michigan's backs more. I do. I trust Blake Corum. I trust Donovan Edwards. Um, And like Penn State's backs are really good. Nicholas Singleton, uh, Katron Allen, they're both really, really good running backs. But, um, you know, I trust Michigan just on every side almost more. You know, I think the only thing I trust a little more on the Penn State side is – they're secondary. I think that's it. Mm-hmm. I think that's the only thing. And, um, you know, they're both very similar teams, but I, I got to roll with Michigan. I do. I think this is this is their year, and they're hungry. They are hungry to make it to the next very step. Very fair. Very fair. Uh, but that's the only loss I have Penn State having. Um, I think they roll through everything else and uh, kind of take you control. You think they could sneak into the playoffs if that's their one loss? I don't. Just because um, their schedule's not good enough, you know. Um, I think the yeah. only way the Big Ten was able to have two teams in was if Ohio State was for real. But I don't think they're going to mm-hmm. be for real. I think Ohio State's going to lose to Notre Dame, Penn State, and Michigan. I think they're going to lose okay. all three of those games. I'm not sure if they'll fire Ryan Day. Um, mm. I think there's going to be a lot of talk about it and a lot of fans wanting it, but I, I think Ryan Day is going to, um, pull out a move in the off season that gets everybody back on his side. I think he's going to go after the best quarterback transfer and get him. Like I, I could see like the Sam Hartman of last year going to Ohio state, you know, um, something like that. Like if Spencer Radler had a year of eligibility and wanted to do it or something like that. Someone like that, that could bring like that energy, like, okay, we're going to be here next year. It'll be okay. You know? Um, so I think it's going to be tough for the big 10 to have two teams. Um, my prediction was not good. I don't know if you know my prediction for the playoff, but my playoff prediction was Georgia one, Michigan two. And then I had Clemson three and LSU four. So it was it was really rough my first week with LSU and Clemson yeah. losing, but um, and now like I'm not going to take credit for this pick, but I've changed it to where I still have LSU in at four. Um, I think they're gonna, I think they're still really good and really That's tough, bold. Bold. but um, I also think that the three seed is going to be Texas. I'm a high on Texas. I think wow. they're going to be in. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's that's what I morphed it into. Yeah. yeah. Um, do you have any teams that? Well, first of all, you have Penn State as your Big Ten champion. So I who do. do you think? Do. Who do you think? Who else is going to be in the playoff then? Oh man, I haven't thought too much about playoffs yet. So obviously we got Penn State. Got to okay. have Georgia. Yep. And we got two spots left. Um. You think we could sneak a second SEC team in there? You probably could, 100%. I mean, I have two. I have LSU as well um, in there. I'm not sure. I don't – Yeah, it's tough. I kind of put you on the spot here. I kind of put you on the spot here. It's tough. Um, How I kind of did it was like I don't think Bama's there, especially with the loss to Texas, and I also think LSU's better than them. That's kind of how I put it. I was really high on Clemson in the off season. You could go easy and just pick Florida State if they're gonna if you think they're gonna run the table, which they might. Um, that yeah, wouldn't I be a bad pick. I'm gonna throw in a USC and a Notre Dame. Okay. I guess those may have to. USC Notre Dame. I like that. I, I like that. I hate how they do it, but Notre Dame they always they schedule perfectly to make the playoffs. I mean, all they have to do is win one of their two big games. The Maybe one interesting game. Here. 
the one interesting game is Notre Dame plays USC, which would be very interesting. Mm. So uh, Notre yeah. Dame has actually scheduled kind of tough this year. Um, I've I've kind of explored yeah, Clemson, it a little bit. Clemson on, should on be too hard for them. Yeah, I mean Clemson Ohio again is very beatable. So if yeah. they lose to USC, I still think they could slip in at four. And now apparently, like, Duke's good. So, like, looking at this uh, right, schedule, right. Notre Dame plays home against Ohio State. They play at Duke. They play home against USC. And then they play uh, at Clemson. Those are probably, like, the main games where mm-hmm. it's like, oh, those are, like, good games. And then, like, USC, they got the tough Pac-12. Like, it's so tough for me to pick a Pac-12 team because the Pac-12 is so loaded, you know. So it's going to be interesting. I'm just so happy to have college football back. You know, oh, it's going to be some yeah. exciting stuff. Um, Jonah, thank you so much for joining the podcast. For man. sure, man. For yeah, sure. This was a lot of fun. We dove yeah. deep into the Big Ten. And, um, dude, it's going to be interesting. I'm pumped for this Big oh, Ten yeah. season. Hopefully, it's going to yeah, be. Hopefully the takes age a little better this time. We'll see. Yeah, I'm hoping. I think it's a little easier in college football, especially right. when oh, we're, like, sure. placing it. And we've seen some action a little bit. Right. So, like, and especially since we did one conference. We know this conference. So, hopefully right. we right. got this right. Um but, yeah, Jonah, thank you so much for joining the show, man. Anytime, this was a lot of fun. Anytime. Yeah, this was a lot of fun. But that's going to wrap up this episode of Jake's Takes. Thank you guys so much for watching. This is a little bit of a long one, but please bear with us. Listen through the whole thing. If you got here, like, subscribe on the YouTube, follow the page on Spotify, or whatever you got to do. Do whatever you got to do. But uh, we're going to be out of here, and I will see you guys next time. Peace. Peace.